You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. I feel bad for those Christians today that haven't walked into that wonder of God. We're not walking in the joy of the Lord. We're not walking in that total joy and that total wonder of God. It's a sad thing. Too many of us Christians are walking around like Eeyore from Pooh. Oh, I'm Christian. There's joy in the Lord. There's life in His Spirit. Life can be tough sometimes, we all know that. But as Pastor Dave reminds us in today's message, when we think about all that God has done for us, we have reason for great joy. The harshest of circumstances suddenly won't seem so bad when we allow Christ to shine His light and hope into them. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 14 with part one of his message, The Reward of the Faithful. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 14. Chapter 14 of the book of Joshua It's a rather short chapter, but um, a lot of things in there. A lot of really interesting things in chapter 14. It's extremely encouraging to me. Last week, as Bill went through the overview of chapters 1 through 13, and it was really interesting the way he pulled things out and talked about them and even dug into some new things. And I think that gives you a perspective as how God speaks to us. And he speaks to us each differently. And what I may glean to share with you, someone else may glean other things to share out of the same scriptures. And I think that's wonderful about God's word. I like that about God's word, which should lead you then to go home and read for yourselves God's word to see then what the spirit would speak to you about. And I've had several people come and give me things that they've written down about what God was speaking to them about the divisions of the tribes and divisions of the land. And I think that's great. And that excites me when I see that you are becoming students of God's word, which is the whole purpose of why we do this. And so that we would be students of his word and that we would glean from it that which he would say to us through the spirit. So it's exciting. So as we studied 13 uh, several weeks ago, We saw that the two and a half tribes, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Manasseh, received their inheritance on the east side of the River Jordan. It's interesting because if you look in various commentators, the the theory or the general consensus was that the land, why they chose this land, was that it was good for raising cattle. It was good for raising cattle. But there was a problem with it because... This side of the Jordan represents a place of satisfaction, a place of contentment, a place where they didn't press on to take the complete and full victory that God had for them. We talked about this at length as the victorious Christians. We need to take all of what God has for us. Now, many of us do not, for many reasons, many of us do not. Many of us look at it like 
Some of the Israelites do. Because we have a lot of giants in our lives. And sometimes the giants are scary. And we are afraid of them to claim them. Giants holding down strongholds in our lives. Well, the Lord wants to free you from these strongholds. The Lord wants to break the chains of these strongholds. And he wants you to have all that is properly yours through Christ Jesus. All that the Spirit is now feeding to you and giving to you. The Lord wants you to have that. It's yours to claim. That's the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10.10. The abundant life that we have is equated to the promised land. But we are entitled to a huge abundant life now that we are children of God. Now that we are his children, he says, take this. It's like the parent giving everything to their children and the children saying, well, I don't want it. I don't want that part of it. And you're like, well, what do you mean you don't want that? I'm gladly want to give this to you and you don't want it. God loves his children and he wants to do the best that he can for his children, which means he wants you to have the best that he has to offer. Now, the neat thing about God is, as I look around the room, the best for Mary Jean might not be the best for Dave. And the best for Dave might not be the best for Mary Jean and so on and so on. Why? Because God makes it personal to you. God gives you the best for you. And we can't look at somebody else and go, well, gee, I want their best. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to have my best for you. And that's what he wants us to take. But what I see in these two tribes, they didn't do that. They were content not to have God's best. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. And I feel bad for those Christians today that haven't walked into that wonder of God. Who are not walking in the joy of the Lord. Who are not walking in that total joy and that total wonder of God. It's a sad thing. Too many of us Christians are walking around like Eeyore. From Pooh. I'm Christian. There's joy in the Lord. There's life in His Spirit. We should be walking around with a goofy smile on our face. Excited. Because we're one of God's chosen. But the land that was given to these tribes had already been divided by Moses. He had already given to them, and Moses made a promise to their men of war that if they would go across the Jordan and help the others, help their brethren, conquer the land, then they would be free to come back now and possess this land. And it was almost like Moses and God saying, well, if you want that, you can have it. So many times, I don't know about you, but so many times I've prayed for things that I think God really didn't want me to have. And I prayed for them, and I prayed for them, and I prayed for them, and I wanted to do them, and I worked my way towards them, and finally said, well, if you want that, you can have it. And then a couple times, a couple weeks later, I'm screaming, Lord, why did you give this to me? He said, well, that's what you wanted. So they go back across. They're free now to go back on that side of the land. Now, these guys on this side of the Jordan were supposed to take care of them. They were supposed to wipe them out. They were supposed to take care of the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Edomites. By the way, who was the father of the Edomites? Somebody said it. Esau. Jacob is the true father, yes, but his son Esau was the the head of the Edomites. 
So you see these things. They didn't do that. They didn't do these. They were supposed to conquer that land. They were supposed to take it as their own and fully inherit it. Unfortunately, they failed to do so. Why? Because they started to compromise with these tribes. They started to compromise with them. They started to do business with them. They all of a sudden... Their men were attracted to their ladies, and all of a sudden they were intermarrying, and they were doing all sorts of things. And all of a sudden, you couldn't tell the difference between where Ammon begun and Gad was, because they looked so similar. They, they allowed themselves to go in there. And in First Chronicles 5, in First Chronicles 5, listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. First Chronicles 5.25 And they were unfaithful to God of their fathers, and they played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria. That is Tigla, Pizler, king of Assyria. He carried the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. They didn't follow God's plan. They were supposed to wipe out everything and they were supposed to claim the land as their own. And because they didn't do that and because they started falling for the rest of the thing, well, it looks fine. You know, these tribes, we said, had one foot in the world and one foot in God. We called them borderline Christians, borderline believers, because they did not take the full inheritance of God. I don't know why anyone wouldn't want what God has for them fully. I don't understand that mindset, but that's for another time to talk about. But to be the victorious Christian, and what I see happening here in these three tribes is they love the things of the world more than they loved God. They love the things of the world and what other people had more than the things of God. And what happens is if you do that, eventually the world will pull you away from God. The world will pull you away from God. I've seen it time and time and time again. You take the, the, the teenage girl growing up in the church, growing up in the church, and she's a, a model Christian, and she goes off the couch and she falls for the deadhead. Does she bring the deadhead towards Christ? 99% of the time she does not, but she goes that way. And we see it time and time again. We have this foot in the world. Romans 12, 12 says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to the world. James even has something stronger to say. In James 4, James 4, it says in James 4, 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Enmity, that's a strong word. That means there's a war going on. It's a hatred. That's a hate relationship. And then finally, you know what 1 John says, what 1 John 2 says. In 1 John 2, 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. He says the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So this is clear to us that we need to steer away from the world. And the world wants to permeate all of our lives. The world wants to permeate the life of this church. The world is constantly trying to sneak in and giving us easier way to do things. 
I can't tell you how many times on my Facebook page is posted by this people called Reach. And it says, you can reach and make your, make your pews full if you use this Reach Facebook page. I have a better way. Teach the word of God and let him do what he needs to do. That's the best way I know of. But see, the world wants to sneak in and we want to be like the rest of the people. Well, we see what happens when, that, when, that, when we do that. So as we now come to chapter 14, they begin to divide the other land. Let's read verses 1 and 2. There are the area, these are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer, the priest of the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half tribe. Here we see the word lot again. It brings up again. In Hebrew, it's goral. It means pebble. To cast lots in Greek is lanchano. It actually means to launch. It actually means to launch. So really, it's like throwing dice. They have these stones with maybe might be colored. They might be different things. They might even be look like dice. And they throw them. And from that, they determine the Lord's will. And it's interesting that in Deuteronomy 34, Moses declared from the Lord that we're going to divide the land up by lot. That's what he said. And the Lord had given him that because it was a way of choosing. But Solomon in all his grandeur and all his wonderful wisdom, in Proverbs 16.33, said this, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You can throw all the lots you want. You can throw all the lots you want, but the Lord is still in control. The Lord is still in control, and we have our dear friend Matthias as an example of that. Matthias was the disciple who was added or was the man who was added to the 12 to make up 12 disciples after Judas had hung himself we don't have to cast lots anymore in the new testament why we have one thing in the new testament that was only given in sporadically in the old testament what is that the holy spirit the holy spirit the holy spirit will lead you into all truth the holy spirit is your guide He's the one that leads you to make decisions. When we pray, we hope that the Spirit was going to lead us and guide us to make the right decisions. And He will if we listen to God and if we have our face in the Word and we know. So we don't have to worry about casting lots. It's not a method anymore. Our path or our lot in life has been already determined by the Lord. I said this last week. Some of us are not happy with our lot in life. But the Lord has determined the way we should go. And as we wait upon the Spirit, He reveals it to us. And then we follow Him and we're obedient by faith. We're obedient to the point of faith. We're going to talk about this example later. So, they're going to cast lots. They're going to cast these lots to determine who gets what. You can imagine all the fathers of the tribe sitting around there going, Oh man, boy, can't wait to see what I get. What am I going to get, you know? Let's read 4 and 5. I mean, let's read 3, 4, and 5. Excuse me. 
For Moses had given the inheritance to the two and a half, two tribes and a half tribe on the other side of Jordan, but to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. Remember again, once again, the Levites did not get land as an inheritance. They got the Lord. The Lord was their inheritance. Then he says, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. The 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob's 12 sons, made up the 12 tribes of Israel. But if you know the 12 tribes, you notice that there is no mention of the tribe of Joseph. There is no mention of the tribe of Joseph. But in Genesis 48, we find the answer to the question. Here it lists the 12 tribes, even though Joseph was a favorite son of Jacob, there's no tribe listed there. But as Israel, Joseph draws near death. Joseph comes in for the blessing and he takes his two sons and he gives to them, gives to Joseph a double portion. Why? Because Joseph got the birthright. Reuben blew the birthright out of the water by sleeping with one of Joseph, with one of Jacob's uh, concubines or wives. So he no longer gets the birthright. Jacob gives it to his son. Jacob basically adopts the two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he gives Joseph a double portion. And even in doing this, blessing Manasseh and Ephraim, you can see that as Israel blesses Ephraim, the younger son of Joseph, with a larger blessing when Ephraim was the second one born. He wasn't the first one born. So basically, Jacob does the same thing, that he kind of pulled the wool over his father's eye, remember? And he got the blessing instead of Esau. Well, Jacob here blesses his... It's a neat read. You should read that in Genesis 48, how... Jacob is almost blind, and he takes it, puts his hand on the younger, and he starts blessing him. And Joseph says, no, 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 Dad, it's the other one. He pulls his hand back and keeps it on the younger and makes the blessing. It's a prophetic point, because the tribe of Ephraim becomes the dominant tribe of Israel after Judah. In fact, the northern ten tribes in the, in the scriptures are referred to either as Israel or Ephraim. Whereas the southern tribes are only Judah. Some might point out that when you count the tribe of Levi, you end up with 13 tribes instead of 12. Technically, this is true, but remember, the Levites didn't get any inheritance. They didn't get any land. So, will we ever hear of the tribe of Joseph? My my Bible scholars. Will we ever hear of the tribe of Joseph? I'm throwing you a biblical curve here. We talked about the tribe of Joseph. Revelation 7. Revelation 7 lists the 12 tribes, and it lists the tribe of Levi and the tribe of Joseph. But that's for another story. That's for another study. A lot of information there. We don't want to get too bogged down in what we're doing there. That's not the point of today's study. So that's why... You see the tribes the way they are. That's why there's the half a tribe of Manasseh and the tribes of Ephraim and no tribe of Joseph. So let's look at 6. As we come to verse 6 through 15, we come to what I think now is the most important part of this chapter. How many of you ever wondered whatever happened to Caleb? 
How many in your Bible readings, you read all about Joshua. Joshua's got his own book. But you never, what happened to Caleb? In fact, I had some people from this study come to me and go, whatever happened to Caleb? I said, hang on tight, you're going to find out. You're going to find out what happened to Caleb. Let's look at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the Kedzanite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Judah was the first tribe that was going to receive their inheritance. Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. He basically was their leader. So he's there, and he reminds Joshua of an event that happened 45 years ago. An event that happened 45 years ago when he and Joshua and 10 other guys were sent out by Moses from the place called Kadesh Barnea into the land of promise to spot it out, to spy. The Lord had made them a promise. The Lord had told them that because of their faithfulness when they came back, you remember the story, they came back and all of the other, the 10 kept on saying, oh, they're giants in the land. Oh my gosh, we're never going to make it. We can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes in disgust and said, what do you mean? The Lord has given us this land. We can go in and we can take it. We can take it. You need to read Numbers 14 and then that whole scenario is pretty cool. The Lord had made a promise to them because they had faith and because they believed they would go into the promised land. But all the rest of them would die in the wilderness. And here Caleb is reminding Joshua of that very event. Reminding Joshua of that very event. Joshua was a man, I mean, excuse me, Caleb was a man of God. Caleb was a true man of God. He had courage. He had dedication. He had faith. He had trust. And the neat thing about Caleb was he was no different than anybody else in Israel. Meaning he grew up 40 years a slave in Egypt. For 40 years he was a slave in Egypt. He saw the Red Sea part. He ate quail. He collected manna. He was there. He saw it all. He saw the rocks spew the water. He saw everything, and he was there. It was no different, but he was a man of God. He was a man of God, and God used him mightily. Used him mightily. And we come now to the key of this chapter in verses 7 and 8. The key to this chapter. Caleb speaking, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out this land. And I brought back word to him, as it was in my heart. What was in Caleb's heart? He knew that God wanted to take the land. He knew that God had given him the land. And he knew that it was prime for their taking. That was what is in heart. And then he says, nevertheless, my brethren, who went up with me, made the heart of people melt. Why did they melt? Oh, there's giants in the land. Oh, we can't defeat them. They're too big. How big is your God? And here comes the kicker. Caleb speaking of himself, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Wow. I wholly followed the Lord my God. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study of the book of Joshua here on Cape Watch Radio. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about Cape Watch Radio by visiting our website, capewatchradio.com. There you'll find an array of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, 
available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound, biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have small children, please feel free to give us a call to find out which service will fit your family best. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Cape Watch Radio.